Hi, welcome to Too Close to the Sun Art Obsessions from Mercury 20 Gallery in Oakland's Art District. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schur, and in this episode, Art Entanglements, a conversation with Johanna Pothick, a visual public and performance artist, and Chris Brown, a musician, composer, and professor emeritus at Mills College. They will talk about their collaborations, their separate creative practices, and their life together over the past four decades, with a focus on their work together for Johanna's upcoming solo show, Hideouts, Escape Hatches, and a Submarine. It opens at Mercury 20 on February 19th. Let's hear how they do it all. I started drawing from a very young age, and I did a lot of portraiture and really a lot of drawing of people around me. As a matter of fact, I took a trip when I was 21. I wanted to go back to the Philippines and I went back and I've traveled around the world for a year and I did a whole body of work just drawing everybody, you know, before the iPhone, before the, before we could just easily snap a million pictures. And it was the best thing I could have done. I met so many people. There's nothing like engaging someone say, can I draw you like this young bride on the way to the Taj Mahal, I did a beautiful drawing of her, or go to the marketplace and, and draw people there, or in Thailand, we went up to the mountains and I drew the kids there, you know, and then you meet people, then you talk to them. I actually got back to that with my dad. I did a lot of drawings of his caregivers and my mom too, her caregivers, and found that when I was with them, I wanted to draw a lot and going back to that. So I started there and then got into painting. I went to UC Santa Cruz in the art. I actually went to school in Chicago too. And then I saw uh, Bill Walker, who is like the grandfather of murals in Chicago. One day I met him, just, he was very friendly. And he took me to see this classic mural in South Chicago. It just struck me. I said, wow, that's a really interesting way to engage in a new way with the public, right? So when I got back to California, I moved to the Bay Area and I saw that in the mission, there was a beautiful mural movement. And I looked at the South of Market and I said, wow, it's 40% Filipino community in the South of Market. And there's no murals that talk about their history and their community and their culture. So I decided I would do it. And I created some of the first significant murals around Anglipini Lapu-Lapu and Lakasambayanan about the Marcos people power movement. And then continued to do that as a public artist and also work in my studio. The work that I do in my studio influences what I do in public space. What I did in public space influenced what I did in my studio. They're very different. And the process of doing public artwork and community work has a lot of uh, restrictions, you know, like when you go into your studio, you can do what you want, sort of. Although I will say that the art market also dictates a certain kind of direction. And I've always kept them going the same as well as the performative part of doing the sort of feminist political performances with my friend Barbara, the wig band. All of those things have been really important to me. And they all feed a different part of my personality and a different part of my practice. But essentially, 
I started as a painter. I'm still a painter. That's what I do. Of course, using photography and sculpture and uh, video. And I was bringing people to do sound, you know, so it's developed over the years. This particular exhibit that I'm having at Mercury 20, Hideouts, Escape Hatches, and a Submarine. And a lot of it has to do with terrestrial or plant algorithmic patterns. And I was remembering that it was many years ago that I went into Chris's studio and I found a book called The Algorithmic Beauty of Plants. Why did you have that book? Because I've been making music using computers for a long time and... Uh... Algorithms are part of what you do when you're creating music on the computer. In fact, that one that I used a lot is one that involves evolution, genetic algorithm. You know, I've always been, had an interest in applying uh, various kinds of growth-oriented algorithms to music processes. I saw the book; it just appealed to me. And frankly, I never read it cover to cover, <laughs> but. Uh, In COVID, when we were all so isolated and spending time in our gardens and with plants, it was such a difficult time. And my father was living alone in a senior facility and isolated. And thank God, he was able to use Zoom and everything. So we were able to keep him going, isolated in his room for months by himself. I mean, this is something that a lot of people went through during the pandemic. And Finally, I went to spend time with him in hospice this just last fall. This exhibit was really going to be called Terrestrial Terminal Earth Station, which is something that I've been working on with zines and these stories around people turning into plants and, and transforming ourselves, this futurist, fabulous idea. So I'm spending time with my dad, and one day he wakes up and he goes, where's your hideout? Where's your escape hatch? He just sort of uttered the word, I'm on a submarine, because on the edge of life and passing, he was going quite in deeply into his subconscious. And I realized that that's really more about what I felt like that I was making, like these paintings that were portals and escape hatches and hideouts. And it really connected to me, to my father, too, uh, that he gave me the title. I brought Chris in. When I created the submarine and I started to make these rocks and I said, Chris, the environment of the show is the terrestrial, but the submarine is like the human. And I have all this tile work and all this stuff in my studio that I'm putting together to create this piece. And I made these rocks that I said, let me put sound in it. To me, it sound is adds so much to any installation. Yeah. And that was in the the period here where there was a lot of rain. It was also nice that it would rain for four or five days and then it would stop for two or three days. And so one of those two or three days, we went up to um, Sibley, the park in the, the Oakland Hills. We were walking the, around and we just took Johanna's phone out and we'd walk by these little creeks that were running where the runoff from all that rain was happening. And she just recorded the sound of the, of the water. It's kind of like the, the tonic note of the music that's going to be part of this installation. But the other thing is that these rocks become little hotels 
for Bluetooth speakers, I can set up four different channels of sound. So each channel goes to one of the rocks. And part of it was also, as you bring up the idea of entanglement, uh, without knowing anything about what Johanna was going to get into about a year and a half ago, I was making a piece that I called Tangled Web. That's just one of these kind of uh, serendipities that makes for connections sometimes in our work. It came from the phrase, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And it was really related to some of my anti-Trump feelings. <laughs> Using his voice while he was saying some of the nastiest stuff he ever got caught saying on tape. You folks were saying such lies, such horrible things to women. All that was so then I you know, I'm automatically attracted to Basically, like putting it into data feedback networks on the computer. I take this, for example, recording of Trump, and it runs into this analysis. And when it gets a high pitch, I might turn it around and have it go low feeding back the sound on itself. But also I think the idea that things that don't necessarily have any particular relationship to each other collide into each other and set each other off in different directions. One of the things that Chris and I have done over the years is really work with each other. Started out in the beginning, like I would have an event or a show or a, a mural project, and I would invite you to play, like the Cyclone Gallery years mm -hmm. ago at SoMars. Right. The, the Cyclone Fence was going around the, the park that they were developing as part of uh, the South of Market Cultural Center. So we brought some of my instruments that I was building. Those days I was building electroacoustic instruments out of pieces of metal and uh, making kind of percussion instruments out of old pianos and things like that. And uh, so it was a great place to set up and I brought in some extraordinary percussionists to play on the metal and we we just improvised music for the, the art event. And it was, uh, I think, probably the first time I'd ever been asked to do something like that. Definitely having met Chris and had this relationship over all these years too and having that interaction with the music community has been a big influence on an aspect of my work. Chris was just talking about improvisation that has always interested me is in my community collaborative work which I've done a lot over the 40 years and the thing that I've learned from music and musicians is ideas around improvisation, which I first came across really when I moved to Chicago from the Philippines. And I was in South Chicago and a friend brought me to hear the Art Ensemble of Chicago. And, you know, it was kind of a life-changing experience. Having grown up in the Philippines, you know, I heard a lot of different kinds of music. People really just do a lot of performance and music together, just like every day. It's like nothing, you know, your schools do a lot. Incidentally, Chris and I have gone to the same schools, Jose Bud Memorial School, UC right. Santa Cruz, and Mills. We've been together for like 42 years. Anyway, we have this similar experience. I grew up for four years between ages five and nine in, in the Philippines, and Johanna was there quite a bit longer. But we both were pretty strongly influenced by it. I think that that, as a musician, led to me being influenced by 
all the different kinds of musical traditions from around the world. I eventually wound up teaching at uh, Mills College, where I'd also got my master's degree. And eventually I wound up teaching introductory courses on musics of the world, because discovering music from a different culture was at the time as important to me as was discovering composers in my own culture who influenced me. One of the things that we've done just in, in line with our experience in the Philippines is that we've had collaborations with artists there and mm -hmm. really enjoyed having those connections. Yeah. When uh, we went to the Philippines in 1992 with Johanna's family, it was a return. A Balikbayan trip. A trip to, to return to a culture where we had grown up part of our childhood. I looked up a composer I'd heard about named Jose Maceda. His music often involves patterning made up with simple materials and a lot of instruments that are similar played together in groups. That somehow put us in touch with a whole artistic community there that is very much participatory, not so much about creating objects as it is about creating processes and social patterns. And I think that's also something that kind of has brought us into collaborations that include other people and other media. Right. We actually went to Cuba in the 90s several times. I was studying dance. <laughs> <laughs> And Chris was studying uh, music, but I, I often feel like being an artist, especially when you go to other places and you're able to create art with people, this art passport or something, or it's art, not really art ambassador, but it's like this way that you can meet other artists. And when you're involved in creating the work, you have this affinity, you have this thing that you can do together that goes beyond language. I think it also often goes beyond one artist's vision. Right. So it's basically artists together finding ways to make their visions rub against each other. Our first real collaborative piece we did at the Headlands, and that was called Marking Time. Mm -hmm. And then I did the video and the of installation, and we worked out the ideas as we went. And for the music of the Lost Cities, we went back to the Philippines. We traveled to Asia and India, and we ended up putting it all together at a residency at Joshua Tree. They prefer to go underground and remain in one place. Eventually, they got bored, so one by one, they decided to resurface. Really, any music is almost always got some mathematical foundation. Right. And I'm and, sort of interested in that. Well, not sort of, I am. I mean, and one of the things that I like about doing public art is that there's this physical mathematics of getting on a big wall and, you know, standing in a scaffolding and having to draw something that's 100 feet or 90 feet tall or, you know, like that's huge or planning for a site. I know when I've taught my students at the wonderful CSU Monterey Bay Visual and Public Art Department that uh, Amalia Mesa Baines headed when I was there, and you're asking them to just draw a little bit bigger and they freak out. And you're like, really? <laughs> I mean, and then you bring them onto a really big scale and some of them just take to it like water, right? They get it. And I think it's kind of a physical thing. So that's one reason I think I liked looking at it more 
sort of scientifically. I'm scientificy. My friends call me scientificy, you know, so I'm not trying to say I'm a scientist. I'm not trying to say I really, but I'm just so fascinated by what makes up life. I long for the observable, <laughs> you know, to say this is really how a plant grows or this is what a quasi-crystal non-repeating pattern is. And that's what it is. It's not my opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's something for me as an artist and a person that I need that in my work. One of the things about Johanna is, is so strongly visual. Everything you see, you, you remember in a way that I simply yeah, can't. Yeah, can't find things ever. <laughs> no, well, we, we could argue about that. <laughs> but in terms of the way I think, I'm usually thinking more in, in, a, in a sound-based world. I'm very concerned with listening. And it, it, when I'm playing with other musicians, it's a matter of listening and trying to grasp the shape that they're, that they're creating as it comes out and then be able to instantly respond with my own sonic responses. Johanna is doing something similar, but in, in what might be the completely contrasting medium. And in that way, we bounce off each other. We don't understand exactly that much about what it, what happens. But I think behind it all is this, this kind of apprehension of form and structure that as it takes place in each of the media that we work in. And uh, I, I think that's why we can every once in a while come back together and make these things that seem to fit together, right? even though they come from a separate place. For myself and the studio and the things that I make, I have a very hard time making a uniform kind of idea. You know what I mean? Like here, I'm going to make everything. It's all the same size. It's all going to be one thing. It's all going to be, I mean, I, I'm usually setting a stage in my work for a story or an idea. And I guess that's the same way I feel about to work in public too, there's all this theater that goes along with even just doing it on the street. Oh my God, there is a lot of theater. You know, there's a lot of performance, which is why I have done some performance art and I've written songs. She out of things that I read and uh, political social issues that interest me since I do a lot of public and, and also work in the community. And I got really interested in the sort of mathematical precision of the way plants grow. And I started to think about these algorithms also in terms of the way we're being tracked and the kind of algorithms that are used. When I started creating these big drawings or small drawings of people becoming plants, one of the things that I've been reading is that we always think about like the Anthropocene or whatever, like we're always as humans going, oh, we're, we're anthropomorphizing this and we're making that human and we're making this human. When actually mushrooms and plants have been making us more like them, they act on us. Think of the things that we eat, think of the things that we are health, think of taking mushrooms for psychedelic reasons, you know, it affects the way you think and the way your consciousness is. And so that's why I started to create the phytomorphs. Our idea is that we're so colonizing, you know, we're just colonizing the planet and we're just affecting everything, but that 
the planet is acting on us. If we don't understand our nature and look to nature and the terrestrial for ways to survive, we won't. I recently got the California Arts Council Individual Artist Legacy Award. Only 21 people got it out of over a thousand. That was a really great affirmation of all the work that I've been doing since the 80s in all these different places with all these different people and all these different situations. But it has made me more comfortable with spending money on my own work, right? Because I can go, okay, I can afford to just hire these, as we get older, especially, hire these people to help me. So it is, it, it has helped, you know, take an edge off. It's expensive to make work. People don't, I don't know if people realize how expensive it is to be an artist. It's enormously expensive, you know, just to try to maintain that. So it's helpful. It's really helpful to have uh, that award to help me do other er uh, kinds of work in my studio. I became a member of Mercury 20 some years ago, and it's really provided a great opportunity for me to experiment as an artist. The way people have been able to collaborate, it's gone amazingly well in terms of the way this model of an artist-run gallery uh, works. And I'm really excited for this show since I <clears throat> have the whole space. And it's a beautiful space and a really great part of Oakland. And I've been able through the gallery to be more involved in the Oakland arts and gallery arts since I've been working with Oakland Art Murmur and, and, and other venues. So I like being part of where I live and really being part of the action in that sense. Yeah. Thanks to Johanna Pothig and Chris Brown for sharing their creative approaches to art, music, and life. Podcasts from Too Close to the Sun Art Obsessions are available anywhere you get your podcasts and are also linked from mercury20.com. Please visit the website and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for past and future episodes, news, and exhibitions. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schur. Until next time, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.